I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. Just click on the link in the description below or go to my website, AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. Hi there, I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about how childhood trauma will affect your romantic relationships. So this is really important to understand because your relationships with your caregivers have a huge impact on your relationships with your romantic partners. Yes. And so if you had trauma happen to you when you were young, it's going to come out. And it's going to come out whether you're ready for it or not. It's got to be dealt with. It has to be talked about. Yes. Margaret has tremendous amounts of experience when it comes to this issue and trauma. I have dealt with trauma issues before it was even in the DSM. <laughs> <laughs> I was taught how to think about it by some old experienced supervisors I worked with in the child welfare system. Uh, trauma is an event that would overwhelm anyone's ability to cope. And that's important because even today in the military, we're still hearing men who can't cope with trauma called weak. And it's not fair because the definition is that would, over, that would overwhelm anyone's ability to cope. Yeah. Um, and it involves a bodily threat to you or someone else seeing someone else hurt or killed, uh, and seeing something that's totally overwhelming. Yeah. Or being a helpless child, being abused by a parent. And when we knew about trauma and called it shell shock from at least World War I on, but it was never named until the guys came back from Vietnam, and it was named post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. I was taught it by my wise old supervisors as a movie in your head about bad stuff that happened to you when you were a kid. And that turned out to be as well as you could do without a diagnosis. So we're talking about relationships here and does it make a difference in your relationships if you have a history of childhood trauma? It makes a profound difference. And if you think about being a little kid or any little kid in a, an abusive situation. It can be physical abuse, all too commonly it can be sexual abuse, but in any case if it's a parent or parents, the child is then dependent on and loves the people who are hurting them. And if you want to talk about confusion, yeah. there you have it. Trying to get the approval and love of somebody who's abusing who's you. Who's abusing you at the same time. And, you know, really loving the parent because most kids, no matter what, love and have loyalty for the parent and still trying to deal with their anger and hurt um, while this is going on. And I think that's why a lot of adults will sit there and dismiss how poorly their parents treated them. Yeah because it's hard for them to deal with the conflict of, I love my parents absolutely. even though they absolutely. used to abuse me. Right. And I just heard someone the other day 
who revealed a very abusive scene that had happened to her, said, but I hate to talk badly about my parents and I hate to blame them. You know what? We're not even into blaming. It is what it is. If it happened and it's necessary for your mental health to talk about it, I don't think it's necessary to feel guilty. Okay? Yeah. Um, you have a right to your own sanity. And as we began to understand more and more of this over the years, we of course began to understand more and more um, about how abuse happens in childhood and how damaged kids are. Um, we get kids into the foster care and the adoption system who are much more damaged than we realize when we first take them in. You yeah. know, they're cute and they're little, and later we find out how hurt and angry and confused they really are. Yeah. Okay. And it can go into adulthood. Um, and when a child is in an unbearable situation, one of the things, thank God, Mother Nature has taught us to do is to escape in our mind even if we can't escape bodily. Uh, I've heard kids tell me how if they were being sexually abused by father, uncle, mother, whoever, um, that they would learn to leave their bodies and kind of float around on the ceiling mm -hmm. and pretend it was happening to some other little kid. Okay? That's called dissociation and we see dissociative symptoms in many survivors of childhood abuse. Um, physical abuse is difficult, sexual abuse is difficult, the combination is really a killer. Um, and people grow up with very little capacity to trust anybody and no reason to either. Okay? And I've had people come to me in therapy and say, I'm not talking to you, I'm not talking to anybody, I don't trust anybody. And I, what I'll say back is, I don't blame you, you have no reason to trust anybody, so take your time. Yeah. Um, and there are all sorts of depressive symptoms that follow from that, crazy relationships that follow from that, and many people say, and I agree with them, if we ever looked at child abuse as a public health issue, we would be truly alarmed, and if we ever figured out how much it costs, we would be even more alarmed than that, because you take someone who was badly abused in childhood, they may be in the foster care system, which costs the taxpayer a fortune. They may end up in a group facility as adolescents, which costs the taxpayer a fortune. The chances are that they're going to emerge from all that as functional adults who contribute to the system is not high, and we're liable to pay disability for them for the rest of their lives. So even if we looked at it just monetarily, it would be a bigger emergency than you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and many state legislatures annually look at their child welfare budget and say, how can we be spending all this money? The people in Ohio can carry more cases than we can. So it's an ongoing issue of are we going to take care of these kids and what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. But if you get into a relationship with someone who has um, a child abuse history, whether it's physical or sexual or emotional. And many of you do. Yes, of course you do. Um, because what, how, how many in that... In terms uh, of sexual abuse, um, one woman in three and one man in five. And that's incredibly high. Add, yes, it's incredibly high. And add, you know, um, <clears throat> verbal abuse to all of that and all of the other ways kids can be perpetrated against. It's terribly high. 
So if you date a number of people, <clears throat> somebody will eventually share their story with you. Yeah. And really, it's an honor when somebody shares that with you. It's extremely personal. And I've come across some of you who've just been heroically, wonderfully empathic in listening to people. And it's very helpful. But what the symptoms look like this. People can be wildly acting up, dating all kinds of people, going out on the town all the time, doing all sorts of crazy stuff, usually involving sex. That's a common response to being sexually abused. Or you can find some people become perpetrators, not many, but some do. Um, or you can find people who become extremely depressed, or people who have symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, which means you can block out the abuse because it's overwhelming for a certain amount of time. But you can't block it out forever. It will keep coming back to tell you that it needs to be dealt with. And it will come back to you in the form of flashbacks or nightmares, usually. Okay? And sometimes the events that are so overwhelming will come back in bits and pieces so as not to overwhelm us. Mm -hmm. And we get one flashback that makes no sense and a few more that don't. And finally, after a while, <clears throat> they start to make some kind of sense. And they will help people recapture a memory. And there's been a great deal of debate about it, and we don't want to re-traumatize people by making them talk about the horrible things that happened to them. But to my knowledge, and I've been in this field for 30-some years, there is still no other cure other than remembering, processing, establishing a narrative first. You remember, you establish a, nar a narrative, and then you have to process the emotions connected with it. And we're sorry that has to happen, but I know no other way. And I do know that this way does eventually work. And because you don't have a coherent narrative in the beginning, you just have kind of bits and pieces, the concept of establishing a narrative as the first line of defense makes perfect sense to me. We have to know what happened to you, what your childhood was like. And then we can help you be angry and sad and all the other things you need to be around this. I would certainly not say that you should write anybody off because they have an abuse history. It can be treated and we know enormously more about it than we did 30 years ago. But it is important that you understand, particularly if there's sexual abuse involved and you're going to have a sexual relationship, it's really important yeah. that you know each other's story. Um, mm -hmm. and, I s and be sure that they really want to be in the committed yeah. relationship with yes, you. Exactly. Because a lot of people that you know have been abused in a, sexually want to act out. And sometimes they don't sometimes, want to stay in a committed relationship. No, they don't. Or they're not ready to right then. And what will happen is it's a common response to being sexually abused to become promiscuous. And it's kind of an effort. It's to repeat in an effort to resolve. In other words, I'm going to try this again, but this time I'm going to be in control. And you're going to take me expensive places and you're going to pay me money. Um, so I'm not doing this for you for free ever again. And what you have to do in a case like that is first and foremost get the acting out to stop. And once the person has stopped acting out, then they may be ready to put words to it. And the options are either we put words to it or we reenact it somehow. Yep. 
I worked at an agency that treated only sexual abuse cases. And we would have case after case where a child would come in having been sexually abused at the same age that their mother was sexually abused. Wow. And it was so common, it was absolutely striking. Um, that if it isn't talked about and it isn't processed, it has a way of repeating. And it's almost like, how many times do I have to see this play before I really understand the plot? Okay, if I reenact it myself, maybe I'll get it. Yeah. yeah. So you could have a partner that's trying to unconsciously act that out, right. and sometimes they will force you into a role that, or maybe even say you're doing this and, until they can be unconsciously manipulate you into that role. Oh yes, that's been done. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's been understood. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but again, if you, and certainly men get post-traumatic stress too. Um, and little boys are also abused. Um, it's, women have much more uh, permission to talk about it than men do, but it happens to men as well, yeah. and there's a certain kind of pedophile who prefers little boys. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the statistics are really less for men, or if they simply report less often. And obviously, somebody that was abused often feels a lot of shame. Absolutely, even though in no way is it your fault. No. And little boys who were abused by a man often feel like it happened because they were gay and they're destined and doomed to be gay. And it's important for them to sort out their sexuality so they make a real decision and not one that's dictated by the abuse. Yeah, um, which can be a real challenge. Yes. When I worked in the prison system, I cannot tell you how high the percentage was of men who had been sexually abused in their families of origin or in the um, foster care system. Huge numbers of those men have a sexual abuse history. And I offered treatment groups for them and everyone told me I was crazy, but eventually I had three groups full. So when given the opportunity, they were definitely willing to deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a huge issue that we deal with day in and day out. And at the present time, we're still trying to develop for children, and particularly children in the child welfare system, what we call trauma-informed care. Because it's a pretty safe assumption that if a kid comes into the foster care system, they're unfortunately going to have a sexual or physical abuse um, history somewhere. Okay, particularly sexual, which has the most lasting effects. And when we concluded um, 20 years or so ago that child abuse produces the same symptoms as being in a war, we began to understand the magnitude of what we were dealing, dealing with. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's equivalent to a war experience. Yeah. And I've had people come in and say, I feel like I've been through a war, and I'd say, well, you have, and you have the symptoms to prove it. Yeah. You know. Um. So if you've dated somebody who has a sexual abuse history, or you currently are, you need to be aware that there's a lot more going on for them than what you understand. Yes. And, you know, sometimes it can be really overwhelming for them. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure... On your end, it would feel like, how do I help this person? What do I do? What do I do? It's yeah. scary. Yeah. 
Even exactly. a good clinician might think, right. I don't know what I'm supposed what to do. What should here. I do? Yes. Well, I would always, always encourage the person to get help. And there is some help for this now in most communities. Um, you can get individual therapists who 20 years ago wouldn't have had a clue, but we are much better educated as a field now um, in understanding what to do with traumatized women and children. Um, and children will deal with it if given a chance. Um, sometimes with the help of play therapy, and sometimes just because they know they better talk about it. Yeah. I had a little boy tell me not all that long ago, I got to talk about that thing that happened to me. I said, yes, you do good for you, that thing. And then he was able to go on and put some words to it. Um, and if he hadn't had an opportunity to do that, who knows what would have happened when he began to have sexual feelings in adolescence. Yeah. You know, And you hear about young kids who who sexually abuse other kids and that's one of the ways that it will play out if they've never gotten any treatment. Okay. So Margaret, what would you tell somebody out there that's listening and saying, yeah, my, my girlfriend, my ex, my boyfriend yeah. was abused. What, how am I supposed to be a good partner? How am I supposed to support them? What do I do? What do I say when they're telling me these things? Well, number one, you don't faint. That's important. <laughs> because you don't want to give them the idea that this is too horrible to talk about. In fact, you want to give them the idea that this absolutely can be said out loud and dealt with. Okay? The next thing you do after, not, after refusing to faint, what you say is it was not your fault because most kids, remember, kids blame themselves for everything. Divorces, abuse, and everything else. The next thing you say is, it was not your fault, okay? And that there's help out there for you. You don't have to live with all of this, because you can be having flashbacks, nightmares, and all kinds of things. However, if you act out sexually and go out and be promiscuous, it will stop the symptoms for a brief period of time. Mm -hmm. For some people it will stop them for hours, for some people for a few days, but almost never as long as a week. So you can understand why people do it. They will go out and repeat the trauma because it brings some relief of the symptoms. It makes no sense, but that's just how it is. Yeah. Okay. And as long as people are acting out, they don't feel an urgency to talk about it. So, like I say, you're going to deal with it either way. You're going to act it out, or you're going to talk about it. Yep. And so, you know, you're in a delicate situation because, obviously, you're invested in the relationship and the person, and they could be two separate things. Because if you're invested in the relationship, well, that might not be the best situation for them to be in a relationship. They might not be able to do it. Right. And if they can do it, it would take some sensitivity on the other person's part to say, are you okay with this? Do you feel safe with this? Are you sure you want to have sex this time? Because I would never ever want you to feel forced again. Yeah. And are you feeling safe? And that's the big question. Are you feeling safe? Mm -hmm. And Margaret, what would you say to the people out there that you know, or dating somebody or have, and they wanted you to kind of, kind of reenact the trauma with them. Oh, and that happens too. And, you know, I was and talking I, with a guy last week that that happened to. Absolutely not. Under no circumstances will anything be reenacted. We can talk about it, we can go to a therapist, we can get you some help, but no reenacting. 
That's what we're trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. And I know that happens. Mm -hmm. I know that all yeah. kinds of things happen. Yeah I, yeah, I just talked to somebody last week that said that their partner was wanting them to reenact it. And he was like, well, this is a little bit weird. This is a little <laughs> bit weird. Good for him. Because um, not a good idea. She didn't feel safe during that. Now, would she feel better briefly after that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If she reenacted the trauma. Mm -hmm. And I understand. It's an effort to understand it. If I do it again, will it make sense this time? But good for him for having the instinct to say no. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. So it's an it's a lot to think about. It's a very delicate situation right. for somebody that's gone through a lot. And for many of you guys out there, you might think, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to deal with this. Well, if that's how you're feeling, then maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship with that person. Right. And people can recover. We do know how to treat it now pretty well. Group is a big help for people. And people with trauma histories do marry successfully. Sometimes they have difficulties, but as long as they've been able to talk with their partner, yeah. um, they can do okay. I've known of many cases where they have groups for the partners of traumatized people. Yeah. And that has proved to be very helpful. But there's books, there's literature, now there's all kinds of stuff on the computer. So you don't have to suffer alone. Yeah. Um, but I've also heard, heard many, many men say to me, in the course of this, that they think maybe their girlfriend has a has a sexual abuse history, but they didn't know how to ask her about it. Well, good for you for being willing to listen and to ask how and to ask with about it. it. Yeah, good for you. Because a lot of people just want to avoid it, and who blames them? It's not a fun subject. No, it no. is not. No. Margaret has tremendous experience in this area, over 30 years. Yes, over 30 years. And so. If you're in that kind of a situation, she would absolutely be helpful for you absolutely. to talk with. I would certainly try my best to be helpful. While I know some stuff, what Margaret has taught me over the years, right. it's very limited compared to her experience. So I would recommend definitely doing a coaching with her in that kind of situation. I've done every aspect of it from foster care to adult trauma. Yeah. All right. That was a lot to take in. That's a lot to take in. But, you know... We'll come back and we'll cover this again. And if it would be helpful to repeat it at any time, we'll be glad to do that. Because we'd rather repeat the words you understand than the scenario. Exactly. Right. All right. So if you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching or Skype coaching. Margaret is also available for Skype coaching. Yes. Happy to hear from you. But uh, that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret, and we will talk with you soon. Hi, I'm Coach Margaret, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist with 35 years experience. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me to get professional help on your situation. Go to askcraig.net to sign up for a personal coaching with me.